Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. I am Emily Wallace, and as always, I'm joined by John Pigeon. John, how are you going? Fantastic, Emily. And how are you? Very well, very well. The uh, the Melbourne lockdown is soon to be ended, so I'm very happy today. And I'm also very excited for this episode because I think, particularly keeping my eye on the Facebook group, this episode is long awaited, and we've finally got an expert who can help us out. Um, so, listeners, Thank God stay for that. tuned. <laughs> Thank God for that. Exactly. So, before we get started, we do need to give a special shout out to Sean Wellman from Wellman Finance. I'm not sure if listeners understand, but this show actually wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Sean. Sean supports us. Um, and in turn, we certainly want to support him. Um, he's certainly a broker that we highly recommend. John and I have both uh, had clients that have gone through Sean uh, for the finance process um, for refinancing, but also for new purchases. So, um, if you're needing an option for a broker, you don't have to use Sean, but he's a good option to throw in the mix uh, to go and check out Wellman Finance. The direct link to Sean's website is in our show notes, so go and check it out. Absolutely. Now, the burning question do I need title insurance? It's been one that uh, a lot of people have asked in that Facebook group and even written to us if we could do an episode on this. So, it is my pleasure to welcome Paul Watkins from Stuart Title. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Emily, and thanks, John, for having me on the podcast. Great to have you. Great to have you on board. So, a very obvious first question for you, Paul, is what actually is title insurance? Yeah, so t- title insurance is just a, a policy of insurance that uh, people can buy uh, when they buy a property or even as existing owners of that property. It's normally arranged through uh, the buyer or the property owner's conveyancer or solicitor. And look, it covers risks that are unique to title insurance. Um, and those risks include things like um, unapproved building works that have been done to the property by a previous owner and haven't been disclosed. Um, Also, it would include works that don't comply with an approval or a permit that might have been issued previously. Um, And also things like boundary discrepancies, fences not being on the boundary, uh, non-compliance with easements and covenants, So, it's a very unique insurance in that it covers risks that affect your ownership of the property in the sense that uh, when you buy the property, you might inherit um, some liability because the dwelling or the boundaries don't comply and another party such as a local council or a neighbour has enforcement rights against you. So, that's what title insurance is in a nutshell. I hope that uh, that made sense. 
Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, look, and, and full transparency here, Paul, um, I've been investing for 20 years and never taken out title insurance. So <laughs> that doesn't say uh, to the listeners that we don't need it. I suppose, uh, yeah, being a country lad, I just thought, nah, it's, it's all good. We'll, um, we'll get away with it. But um, let's go a little bit deeper into why someone would need title insurance. Sure. So the, the reason why um, people need any kind of insurance really is that um, it's the risk associated with whatever your activity is. So when you buy a property, you would typically take out home content insurance um, because that covers environmental risks, fire, uh, rain, hail, um, theft and things of that nature. So title insurance is just another insurance that you can add to your um, suit of armour. And the the principal reason why it's needed is because of the amount of unapproved and non-compliant building work that is in existence in Australia. So when you're buying an older home, the chances are that that property has probably been renovated at some time during its life. And the question then becomes what extent did those renovations require a permit and did the person at the time obtain the permit? In Victoria in particular, um, there are quite a lot of limitations on the amount of disclosure that a vendor is obliged to provide when they sell a property. It's pretty limited. In in many cases, it's limited to um, particulars of any building permits that might have been obtained in the last seven years. So, If no building permits were obtained for renovation work um, that was previously carried out, it won't be disclosed in the contract because uh, vendors aren't required to disclose that. Um, So it can be a bit of a minefield, particularly for uh, people who are buying a property that uh, is is old, has been renovated, and the original plans might not even be available from council. Um, the other the other scenario that we're seeing more and more of in terms of our claims history is where people are buying newer homes that, on the face of it, have an approval history. So you can see a record of a permit, an occupation certificate, construction certificates, and things like that, only to find out that in fact the certificates that have been issued by a private certifier don't actually comply with the permit that was issued. And I, and I think you've probably heard in the news, in the media around Australia, there's a bit of a certification crisis going on in this country where private certifiers have certified buildings to be compliant in circumstances where perhaps that certification should never have been issued. So from a buyer's point of view, it can be um, a terrible situation where you rely on um, a recorded certification history, or oh, I can see a building permit, there's been an occupation certificate, surely I can rely on that as some assurance that it all is compliant and that I'm not going to be facing a building order. But in fact, um, our claims history shows that in a lot of cases, um, the permits have never been complied with by the builder and um, the certifications are not valid and homeowners are still served with building orders uh, requiring the homeowner to bring that property back into compliance. The problem from the homeowner's point of view is that, uh, okay, you can pursue the certifier who may have incorrectly issued the certification, but if that has happened many years after the certificate being issued, 
often that private certified doesn't exist anymore or the company that issued that certificate's wound up. Mm. Um, so that's where title insurance really comes in because without having that insurance for that issue, you have very little in the way of remedies. Um, and the value of the title insurance policy is that if you do buy a property and whether previous works have been done without a permit and the council discovers that and issues a building order or you bought a property with a valid permit that was never complied with properly, you're still going to be issued with a building order. The question mm -hmm. just becomes who has to comply with that order or well, the homeowner does um, and you know, what can you do for compensation to address that. And that's that's really the value of title insurance and where we see uh, a bulk of claims. Uh, so, Paul, you mentioned there the difference between obviously there's older houses where they can have issues and newer houses. But a question I have for you, what about the difference between apartments versus houses? Is title insurance just as important on both or is there some variation to that? It's just as, it's just as important for both. But what we see with um, apartments or strata properties is a different um, form of risk. So typically our claims history with strata properties will be where a previous owner has made alterations to the internal layout of the, of the apartment. And usually with strata, there's a difference between what the lot owner uh, has or has on title and what the common property is, which is owned by the body corporate or the owner's corporation. And uh, what we see in strata units is that, you know, a previous owner might say, you know what, I really don't like that that archway. I might square that up and, you know, expand it and I might do these internal alterations. What they don't realise when they go ahead and do that is that um, they're, they're tampering with or altering the common property. And, um, and before you do that, you generally require permission from the owner's corporation. And there's a process that you need to follow for those works to be done um, properly and with approval. So we do see in the strata situation um, a lot of examples where people make those alterations. Another one that we see commonly is people building or putting air conditioning units on balconies. And often there is uh, bylaws in the owner's corporation that either restrict um, reverse cycle air conditioners from being placed on balconies altogether, or there could be a limit to how many you have. So we've seen claims where the bylaws said each apartment can have one reverse cycle air conditioning unit on their balcony and our insured bought a property that had three. And so they were required to remove two and so on and so forth. Um, and the other, the other thing that we see often with strata properties, and it can be a bit sneaky, by, um, by sellers is the risk of um, special levies. So I'm sure all your readers are aware that when you buy a, uh, an apartment, there's going to be um, owner's corporation levies on top of your council rates. But when capital works or major expenditure is required, uh, that's when the owner's corporation will strike a special levy. And that could be a $50,000 to $100,000 levy that is distributed amongst all the property owners in the building. And um, the question of whether a special levy is going to be payable can be pretty important to a buyer. Um, uh, when I bought 
an apartment, I ended up having to pay a $7,000 special levy. I knew about it, but it was something I had to factor into that. So it can be a big shock if you're not expecting it. So what we've seen in claims is that the owner's corporation uh, committee strike the special levy um, at a point in time where the new buyer is not a, is not aware of it. So they strike it between the period when the contract is signed but just before settlement of the sale. And that special levy is not disclosed. It's not in the strata certificate because at the time the strata certificate is issued, it hasn't been struck yet. But in the first kind of quarter rates notice after settlement, bang, all of a sudden you've got six, $7,000 special levy and you go back and you find out that these sneaky people struck it during this time. So that is a risk that's covered under the title insurance policy as well. And we do see claims um, happening on that, on that covered risk. Okay. So by the sounds of it, we're, um, we're getting insurance for something dicey that's gone on before we owned it, um, generally that's speaking. Right. That's exactly right. How, how has it happened in, like in the last three to five years, especially in Sydney, um, these apartment blocks that have had issues, um, has, if someone's had title insurance um, through that time, has that been of benefit to them? How, is, uh, how have they gone with claims on that? Are you talking about like the Opal building? and Correct. Yeah. Um, so those sorts of issues um, are generally outside the scope of title insurance. Right. Because what's happening with those sort of buildings is that they've been built with approvals and, and all of the relevant certifications in place, but there's structural or workmanship defects. So the, the, the builders just haven't built them in accordance with the way that they should have been built. Um, yeah, okay. And so that becomes a more of a builder's liability. Um, sure. There was um, for a few years um, before we had to exclude the risk, but at some point, um, at one point in time, uh, the, the cladding issue in Victoria, um, we ended up with a couple of, of those claims um, because um, the cladding represented non-compliance with, with the permits that were issued. So, you know, a builder sought approval to build a building. The council approved it and provided conditions of that consent, which is to build in accordance with uh, building codes and standards. Um, and there was a real question mark over, well, was the uh, aluminium cladding that was put on those buildings uh, in accordance with building codes? And obviously, oh. um, that's become a very controversial question. And some property owners did have the benefit of title insurance to cover their liability for those rectifications. But yeah. when we saw the kind of cladding crisis unfolding, we, as an insurance company, we had to take steps to exclude um, cladding from our policies. Um, so that, that, um, that hasn't been covered for a number of years now. Yeah, that's um, helpful to know because I know cladding does come up as an issue time and time again. Um, I know obviously councils are filtering through to rectify all these issues, but it's still particularly in Victoria is a very big issue. Um, so far, Absolutely. a lot of insights into title insurance and actually the depth of it because I think there's a lot to understand, you know, outside of just does it cover me for incorrect boundaries or illegal works, there's so much more. Um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to dive into the juicy stuff of how much it costs, um, what can go wrong and what claims can look like. We'll be back in a minute. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Okay, so really interesting stuff, Paul. I'm really enjoying this. But when we take out insurance policies in general, um, we, we do it before, well, in the case of um, uh, building and landlord's insurance, we would take it out before the property settles and, and then we would have annual premiums that we continually pay. How does title insurance uh, work? Is it a one-off? How long does it last for, et cetera? Yeah, so title insurance has um, got a different premium structure to other insurances like the ones you mentioned, landlord insurance, home contents insurance. So with title insurance, um, we issue the policy um, on settlement So, um, and the premium is payable on settlement. But unlike those other types of um, insurance products, we don't charge an annual premium. You, you pay your premium once on settlement, the premium is calculated based on the purchase price of the property. And once that premium is paid, the policy is issued and, and that policy provides cover to that um, insured uh, for the life of their ownership of the property. And when you read the policy wording, it actually uses the word forever when it talks about um, how long you're insured for. So technically speaking, you are insured forever. So that might be a situation where you take the insurance out when you purchase a property, you hang on to the property for seven years or eight years, and then you sell it. But when you sell it, you might have, for example, you might have made certain warranties about um, the property in that contract, and then the buyer relies on those warranties, you sell that property, and then a year later, you're gone, you've sold, you're not thinking about it anymore. All of a sudden, 12 months after after the settlement, your buyer comes along and says, hey, I've, I've found this boundary discrepancy, boundary encroachment. You made a warranty about that in the contract. I'm now going to sue you for that. So under our policy, even though you've sold the property, you would still be covered for that um, situation. Now, contractually, whether a buyer can sue you for those sorts of things after completion of the contract is very much going to depend on the contract itself and what jurisdiction you are in. So, it's more common for those sorts of things to happen in Western Australia than, for example, in New South Wales or in Victoria. So, that's why when we're dealing with people in Victoria or New South Wales, we generally just say, look, the policy lasts as long as you own the property. 
but it's important for people to understand that the policy itself says this policy protects you forever. And so Mm -hmm. technically that's correct. That's really interesting because my personal perception of title insurance before speaking with you, Paul, was that it just was until they, um, you know, they were done living there. But that's interesting to know that in some states it's obviously more um, applicable that it goes beyond the the actual ownership of the property. So, very interesting. Now, in terms of um, what a cost might look like, and I know you mentioned just before it's based on the purchase price of the property and it's a one-off premium that you pay upon settlement. Could you potentially give us a worked example around the numbers, maybe if we took a round figure at, you know, 600K, $600,000 purchase price, would you be able to articulate approximately what someone would be looking to pay for on a premium? Yeah. Um, so, premiums basically start from $500. So, if you're buying a property that is between zero and 500000 which is um, probably becoming less and less common these days, but um, if you're in that price market, um, your premium starts at $500. And for, for an apartment, it's about $370. Um, then it goes through different bands. So, from zero to 500 and then 500, I think, to 750 and then 750 up to a million and then so on and so forth. So, I think for something around um, 600000 you'd be looking in the six to $700 range. And again, that's a one-off payment. It's not an annual premium. Generally, we see most of our premiums are under $1,000 as, as an average premium. So, it's generally not related to the age of the property when you buy it? Not at all. That's the difference between title insurance, premium structure and other insurances. So, other insurances, when the companies calculate their premiums, they're looking at things like postcodes, um, you know, environmental data, things of that nature, um, whereas our premium is based just on the purchase price and nothing else. Um, okay. and, and even when we have a situation where an insured or a potential insured comes to us with a known risk, so they might say, hey, I want to take out title insurance, but the contract has a disclosure in it where the vendor discloses that there's a pergola or a deck or something that's being built without a permit. Can I get insurance for that? In, in a lot of situations, the answer to that is yes, you can. We will provide um, what we call known risk insurance over that. Um, and when we do provide that insurance, we do that without charging any additional premium. So, you have absolute certainty when you look at title insurance. You can go to our website and have a look at a premium uh, schedule um, or you can actually type in your purchase price into a premium calculator and that will spit out your premium. And you can do that with absolute certainty that that's the premium, that that we're not going to come in and say, oh, yeah, but look, it's in this postcode and look, it's a 30-year-old house and it's in this suburb, therefore we're going to add this. It's just a premium that's just based on the purchase price and you can take um, that with absolute certainty. Cool. So you've alluded to some of the reasons as to why someone might claim on title insurance. What what do you see is probably the most common ones? Without a doubt, uh, the most common claims, uh, there's two categories, unapproved building work claims and boundary claims. There are two highest source, sources of claims. Uh, in Victoria in particular, boundary claims um, are now 
on par with illegal building work claims. So um, over the last 20 years, unapproved building work claims have been our highest source of claims. But that is now starting to be overtaken by boundary claims. So typical claims are um, illegal pergolas, decks, extensions, garages that have been converted into self-contained flats. We see a lot of situations where people originally buy an old pokies, old pokey sort of 50s house and then they renovate it and they remove walls and they open it up and they do all sorts of wonderful things to it without a permit in circumstances where a permit was required. So we're seeing a lot of those sorts of claims. Um, we also see a lot of claims where people are, are adding structures um, or and converting um structures in for other use, particularly self-contained dwellings and things like that. With boundary claims, we're seeing mainly boundary fence discrepancies um, and where the boundary fences were never located on the boundary properly or correctly, that then creates a lot of uh, messy legal issues around adverse possession as well. So we often have to deal with um, very messy scenarios where our insured has bought a property. They've discovered, in fact, that the fence has never been located on the uh, correct boundary, but the neighbour has enjoyed more land than they're entitled to for such an amount of time that that neighbour actually uh, now has adverse possession rights over our insured's land. Hmm. Yeah, those deposited plans have come from 1930. It looks like my five-year-old wrote them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I mean... And the issue uh, and, and what makes title insurance such a valuable product is that uh, not many people or buyers these days um, you know, spend the money on getting boundary surveys when they buy a property. And um, they often take at face value that the legal boundaries and the physical boundaries are going to be the same thing. Um, but our claims history shows that in many cases they're, they're not. Um, and unless that situation is identified and, and rectified, the fact that those legal boundaries and physical boundaries don't match can actually give rights to other to to third parties. And mm. um, you know, for the sake of a five or six hundred dollar premium, we've found a lot of claims where we we have to compensate our insured for thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars worth of land that they originally had. Mm. It's originally part of their title, but due to the misalignment of fences and the long use by the neighbour, at law they've now lost title to that land. It's it's mm. gone forever. So um, mm. that gives rise to compensation if they're insured. If you're not insured, well then you know there's it's it's too bad. There's not much you can do about it. We do um, have a policy that is for people who are existing owners. Oh. So yeah. So what I meant to what what I'm conveying was that most people take the policy out when they buy the property, and yeah. and it's arranged through their lawyer or conveyancer. But for those people who miss that boat, and that, and um, like John, <laughs> there's a lot that <laughs> you might get a bit of business for me. <laughs> their, their lawyer and conveyancer simply didn't make them aware of it, so they they bought without it. But if they suddenly decide as an existing owner. Oh, I really want that title insurance now. We do have an existing owner policy that that you can buy, and we actually find that a lot of people 
buy uh, an existing owner policy from us when they're going to sell. So they might have bought the property five years ago, didn't take out title insurance. Now they're going to sell the property and they don't really know what the boundary situation is. So they might just take out an existing owner policy to protect themselves in that in that situation. So we do have mm-hmm. a purchaser policy and an existing owner policy. There you go. Definitely. I think there's some really important takeaways for our listeners who are debating whether they should get title insurance or not. And it's so interesting to hear about, you know, what the type of claims are that you do get around those boundary lines being a common one um, and illegal building works, particularly potentially on larger land that's had extension or, as you say, the um, garages that have been converted into a studio, which I think is becoming more and more popular, those granny flats. So, it's been extremely insightful to have you on board today, um, Paul. We so appreciate everything that you've shared with us. And I think this episode will be one that's really evergreen that people will go back to and listen to um, when they're searching title insurance in the podcast app. So thank you so much for sharing all your insights uh, on something that you know very, very well. And now hopefully our listeners feel that they're very well educated on the topic as well. Yeah. And I think like like anything, it's having the right team of people in your corner, isn't it? And, and the conveyancer that's working with you with the contracts um, should be alluding you to that as an option to take out and uh, and then looking at the pros and cons and then you can decide for yourself um, whether you whether you take it on or not. But yeah, agree with Emily. It's been fantastic, Paul. Lots of um, information there for the listeners and uh, and to the listeners. Thank you for your support. It's amazing. We um, we're overwhelmed with uh, with the I suppose the reviews we we get um, on Apple and and the continued uh, banter in our Facebook group and and we love your support. So. Thanks very much and uh, thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you, John and Emily, for having me and uh, happy to answer any questions that your Facebook uh, listeners might have. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Okay, thank you. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.